Welcome to Tarazi Mecha Nachyomi with the OU Women's Initiative. My name is Shoshana Shechter, and today we will be studying Sefer Yonah, Perak Gimel. In this Perak, Yonah goes back and does what Hashem had asked him to do in the first place, and then Ninveh does tshuva. We can go through the Perak because it's only 10 prakim, 10 psukim. Vayidvar Hashem al Yonah shenit lemor. And the word of Hashem came to Yonah a second time, saying, now, before we even look at this, there's an interesting discussion about the word shenit. The question is, is this really the second time? This is the second time in our story. But in Malachim Bet, in Perak Yodalit, in Malachim Bet, we have a story, we have a Pasuk that mentions the Nevuah of Yonah, that he restored the boundary of B'nai Israel from the approach of, to Hamat to the Aravasi. It's talking about the days of Yeravan ben Yoash, the king of Aram had destroyed Bnei Israel, and Yonah helped restore the boundaries. So, this, so the question is, if Hashem is speaking now to Yonah for the second time in Sefer Yonah, it's really the third time altogether that Yonah's prophesizing. So Rashi explains in Malachim, actually quoting the Gemara in Yevamos, that these are counted as only two altogether, because it's not that there were three nevuas, but there were two positive outcomes from Yonah's nevuah. The same way that the evil decree was changed for Ninveh, so too it was also changed for Bnei Israel at the time of Yeravam. And that's why we have the word Shenit, even though it's three, literally three nevuah times, times that Yonah's doing nevuah, but really only two altogether where there was a positive outcome that came. And again, the reason that there's a positive outcome um, the Gemara Nivamos talks about is because the reason that Yonah, even though he was wrong in running away, he was looking out for the honor of Bnei Yisrael and not the honor of Hashem, but it's the son instead of the father, so it wasn't terrible. If you look at Pasuk Bet, we're told, Hashem tells Yonah, Kum Get up, arise, and go to Ninveh, the great city, and proclaim upon it the decree that I'm going to speak to you. And we have again the word kum, arise, that's a theme that's been going through the Sefer. Arise and go to Ninveh. Um, Ebenezer points out that he wasn't too far away. As soon as he came out of the fish, he knew that this is what he was going to do, even before Hashem told him, because he didn't run too far of a distance away, um, because he knew that he'd be going. And then Pasukimel, Vayakam Yona, Vayelech al Ninveh, again Vayakam, he gets up, He's showing initiative here in the proper way. Kidvar Hashem lelokim mahalach shloshet yamim. So it's interesting. It says that Yonah arose and went to Ninveh according to the word of Hashem. And now we're told, and we're told now Ninveh was an exceedingly great city, a walk of three days. And it's it's interesting because in the previous pasuk we called Ninveh Ir Hagdola a big city. Here we're calling it Ir Hagdola Lifnei Hashem Lelokim. Sorry, Ir Hagdola Lelokim Mahalach Shloshet Yamim, a three day journey. So the question is, what does the Lelokim add here? So m- most of the Farshim say it's understood that it's a big city, and when you compare something, when you're, what you want to say how big a city it is, you compare it to Hashem. We've seen that in other places in in Tanakh. Um, with Nimrod, with other people in Tanakh, where it's compared to Hashem. But um, Eben Ezra actually points out that Lelokim adds that they feared God. It's not just an Irgdola, but here it's added Lelokim, which is the proof of Eben Ezra that it's more than just big because the Elokim was added. And that's why we're not so, so surprised when they do tshuva afterwards that there was a fear of God there. 
And then in Pasuk Dalit, Vayachel Yona Lavo Be'ir Mahalach Yom Achad, Vayikra Vayomer Od Arba'im Yom Venin Be'ne Pechet. It's interesting. Um, the Mahalach Yom Achad, Yona commenced, he started to come into the city, one day's walk, and he proclaimed and he said, Od Arba'im Yom Venin Be'ne Pechet. In another 40 days, Ninbe will be overturned. So there's a whole play between the three days and the one day. Um, did he just walk a one day's journey as he started walking for the first day? And then we assume for the continued rest of the day, although maybe they did shuva after the first day, he's just walking around and throughout the first day, he's telling people, or maybe the circumference was a three day journey. So he's walking straight through the city and that's why it's one day. But it's interesting how he is, we, we again talk, what's the proclamation that in 40 days, Ninveh will be Nehepechet. Nehepechet means overturned. It does not mean destroyed. We mentioned this earlier. It can be good or bad. Either Nehepechet can mean destroyed if they don't do tshuva, or it can mean transformed if they do tshuva. Vayaminu anshei Ninveh, we're told in Pasukei, Belokim, and the people of Ninveh believed in Hashem. Vayikru'u tzom, vayubashu sakim, migdolam ve'atktanam. And they proclaimed a fast, and they put on sackcloths um, from the greatest to the smallest of the people. What does it mean that they believed in Hashem? They believed in Dvar Hashem, according to the Muslim of Hashem, that God's word, well, it's not that they had such deep emunah, but they believed that what Ninveh, what, that what Yonah was saying now was going to come true. Radak explains why Ninveh, a city that was so bad that it was going to be destroyed, believed the Nevuah now because the sailors from the ship had returned, had come to Ninveh, and they recounted the story about how Yonah was thrown overboard and everything that happened, and that's why maybe people believed Mar Hashem here. But again, the Mepharshim are very um, hesitant to say they had deep emuna at this point, but they, certain be- they certainly believed, it seems, that they believed in the Nevuah. And the fact that by Yikra'ut Som, the Mepharshim point out that they called out a fast before the royal decree, because in the next Pasuk, the king's going to call out a fast, but maybe they did it before. You know, Avinezra is very hesitant. Avinezra and Rashi are hesitant about um, the people in Ninveh. He said, no, it's not, it's not that they did it before. It's a result of the king's decree. It's just not in order. Uh, so it's interesting, the play, you know, between what the people are doing and what Yonah's decree was. Um, in Pasuk Bab, Vayiga Hadavar El Melech Ninveh, then Melech Ninveh heard about this, Vayakami Kiso, Vayaver Darto, Meala Vayachasak, Vayeshev Al Efer, Al Haefer, that the king of Ninveh heard about this, and uh, word reached him, and he also put on sackcloths, and, and he then proclaimed a fast, and an official mourning in the next pasuk in pasuk Zion vayazek vayomer beninvei mitam hamelach ugdolav lemar hadam da'bena bakar v'atzon al yitamu meuma al yiru ma'im al yishtu vayazek. It's interesting the word and he caused it to be proclaimed and proclaimed throughout Ninveh by the council of the king and the gdolav and his people and his officers and his nobles, saying that no man or animal should eat, no cattle or sheep should taste anything, they shouldn't graze, they shouldn't drink water. It's interesting how the king is causing it to be proclaimed here. Um, Rashi actually says that even though the people started fasting before this, according to most Mepharshim, the king added the animals. He added two things. Well, first of all, it says the king and also Gdolav to show that it was unanimous. The king and all the officers, everybody agreed to this. The king now added, added the animals and also made people return whatever dishonest gains they got 
which was, um, we see in the next Pasuk that they told everyone, we'll talk about that in a second, but he, the king made sure that people would give back anything that they gained from dishonest gains. The reason I think this is fascinating is because, to me, I think back to the reference of the grazing back in Breshi, when Rashi talks about how the fight between Avram and Lot was because Lot's shepherds were grazing their animals in other people's fields. So we see in the Torah that there was this thing, there's a concept of people grazing their animals in other people's fields and, 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 and being dishonest and stealing from other people's fields. And that's why Avram was such an anomaly. So it's, I think it's interesting that here there's a point to say, you know, we, we need people to be honest and return everything that they stole. And that's why there's no grazing here. The animals aren't even grazing. What's wrong with animals grazing? Well, because people used to bring their animals to graze in other people's fields. And this is the reference, a uh, reference to the dishonesty that, uh, you know, made Avraham so unique, a dishonest action that Avraham was so, um, was, was, you know, did not act in that way. Um, then we're told in Pasuchet, that they covered themselves with sackcloths, men and animals, and they called mightily to Hashem. That chazaka is so interesting. And people did shuva. They called that to Hashem mightily, and they did shuva. Um, everyone repented from their bad ways. And that's where. Uh, we have the reference, the Hamas Asher B'chapehem. Hamas is, is, is stealing, as we saw back in the days of Noah. And Rashi says, Gezel. They stole, they gave back from what they stole that was in their hands. Um, so first of all, what is the B'chazaka that they, that they called out to Hashem Elohim B'chazaka? So most of them say they did shuva strongly with all their hearts, the Radak says. Um, some say B'chazaka is... Is really not um, um, is not so uh, is not so positive. Like the chazaka, they almost threatened Hashem. We won't show mercy to others if you don't show mercy to us. Midarkar um, is all their sins Hamas, meaning all their sins except for robbery and deceit, and uh, and and then and then and then the Hamas. So it covers everything, and there and then also bechapehen they returned everything that was in their hands. So the Farshim say everything that they stole. Or again, you know, is it just the things that were in their hands, but other things that they stole, they hid away. There's this, you know, back and forth on um, whether they're, they're, they were really um, doing good intrinsically or they just wanted to get rid of this decree. There's this machloket. It's actually quoted in the Gemara Tanis, you know, whether the tshuva here was genuine. That the Gemara Tanis says, no, but chazaka is strong in a negative way, like we said before. Rashi actually quotes the Gemara Tanis also, and chapehem also, same idea, that they repented only for the things that they acquired dishonestly that was actually in their hands. But the things, other things, they, they hid away, so they didn't give back. And then Pasotet, Umi Yodea Yashu Venicham Halokim, Veshav Mecharona Povalo Noved. Whoever knows shall repent, shall do tshuva, and Hashem will relent and do tshuva, and he will return, you know, his anger, and we won't die. So this Mi Yodea is so interesting also. Either it means Mi Yodea Yashuv, whoever knows his sins that he committed, he should do tshuva. You know, that's what Rashi says, you know, Derech Al Derech But Radak, whereas Radak says, 
whoever knows how to do tshuva should do it. Not specific sins, but if you know how to do tshuva, then you should do it. Then Hashem will forgive your sins. Then Radak continues and he says, interesting, he suggests another piece of this. Mi odea means, who knows? Yashu v'nicham alokim. Who knows? Maybe if we do tshuva, maybe Hashem will relent and take back his decree. So they weren't even sure. So that could be the mi odea. And then finally, vayar alokim et maseyem ki shavu midarkam that Hashem saw their deeds, that they had repented in their evil ways. Vayinachem alokim ala ra'ah sher diber lasot lahem v'lo And Hashem relented about the evil that he had spoken about that he was going to do to them, and he didn't do it. And then, and, um, and the Gemara and Tanis talks about that last Pasuk, and this is such an important piece here that the Gemara and Tanis points out, that what does Hashem see? Hashem saw their deeds, not the fasting, not the sackcloths, not, it's not just enough to show the external signs of tshuva, but it has to come from within, and then not only change the heart, but change your actions. Now that we went through the psukim, I just want to point out a few last ideas. When Ninveh repents, it's described very strangely. When the people fast and they wear sackcloths, the animals also join. Why? It's very strange. The nature of the judgment was to address the city. When Hashem first told Yonah, Kum lechel Ninveh ukra aleha, rise up and go to the great city of Ninveh and call unto it. At the end of the Sefer too, the same idea. It's Ninveh Ha'ir Hagdola, with the Behemah Rabbah as well, with the animals as well. The focus here is the city of Ninveh. This type of judgment of a place rather than of people has precedent in Breshit, in the judgment of Stom. There are so many similarities between the two, between Ninveh and Stom. The judgment of, so- of Stom is actually referred to as Ma'pecha, as we see in Dvarim, Chavtet, there's a reference to that. This is the same term that's used here in Ninveh. The city of Ninveh is Nehpechet. As we said previously, it is transformed in its nature. The people in the city are the same, but the city is transformed. Its character is changed, and it's reborn, like Yonah in the fish. Another comment I want to point out is that the three days, the three days theme in this Sefer Yonah's inside the fish for three days in Parak, in Parak Bet. And then Ninveh was a huge city, as we see in Parak Gimel, with a three days walk across the city. So interesting how it points out that it's a three days walk across the city. Three days represents a period of preparation for a real transformation. Like Yonah and the fish and like the people of Ninveh. When you think of three days, there are so many times that three days is mentioned in the Torah. The thing that comes to mind most is Avraham walking for three days to the Akedah. When you think about those three days, those three days are filled with contemplation, anxiety, but the need for personal transformation. Avraham needed three days to think about his actions and to think about what he was about to do. Yonah here needed three days inside the fish to do the same, to think about his actions, although here it was facing up to it, taking accountability unlike Avraham, and to Davin. Ninveh's tshuva here also seems that it would need those three days for Yonah to walk through town and tell people to do tshuva. And Ninveh actually didn't need the three days. It started already in the first day. Ninveh's tshuva seems complete. Even after one day of Yonah walking through, 
already they're putting on sackcloths and fasting. You see the external, external change. You see the internal change as well as the parak continues. And it's very similar to the sailors on the ship. Both the sailors and the people of Ninveh experience salvation from punishment because of their actions. What's interesting about this story is that Hashem was convinced that Ninveh, the great city, was worth saving. And that's why he, Hashem, was willing to change his divine decree. Yonah, on the other hand, was sure the city was not worth changing, was not worth saving. So he was unwilling to change. In just one day's travels, Yonah's words were effective. And the, and the response was intense. His words traveled fast until it reached the ears of the king, as we said. The king acted immediately. And that's when the 40 days of the rebirth of Ninveh began. Like it did for Noah, the world changed during the flood after 40 days. And what's different here with Ninveh is that the transformation began at the beginning of the 40 days. It didn't take 40 days for the transformation to be complete. The move to change, as we said previously, preceded the king, as, it's, as it shows from the Pasuk. The king could affirm his decrees of starting the tshuva process because the people had already started. This change, which was preempted by the people, was what allowed Hashem to change the divine plan. So not only did Ninveh change, but Hashem did. Hashem changed his divine plan, and that is precisely what disturbed Yonah, as we'll see in the next parak in Parak Dalit. Thank you for studying together. Lezecher Nishmat Riva Schwab, Rivka Bat Alexander Sender.